All right, JC, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Your, this is the next step in your uh, professional becoming famous campaign is a bariatric podcast episode. I can hardly wait. <laughs> I hope you make me famous. <laughs> okay, so Panhandle, you have been, why don't you start with, I think you have a unique story. Tell okay. a little bit about how you got started at PWLC and all the different seats you've sat in. Okay, so I started at Panhandle Weight Loss um, three days after I graduated and took the receptionist position um, in hopes of kind of getting my feet wet in um, the medical field. Just I went to school for medical, knew I wanted to be involved in the medical side, um, was thinking about being a PA. So I took the receptionist position with the agreement that I would be in the OR and rounding on patients and uh, started right out of college, uh, graduated on a Saturday and was hired on a Tuesday and started right then. And I've been there uh, almost six years now. It'll be six years in May and was a receptionist for about a year, um, maybe about a year and a half and kind of just saw where patients fell through the cracks and um, more so on the administrative side, clinical side um, of where patients would, you know, get hold up, held up in the process or where they would fall off. And I kind of just went to the office administrator and explained what I saw and where I thought we could improve. And they said, okay, uh, we hear what you're saying, but we don't have anyone to do that. I said, well, um, I think I have enough experience and knowledge now that I've seen it from all different directions. And they said, create the position, do with it what you will. And so I moved to the patient coordinating position and started that in 17. So this is going on year four of the patient coordinating. And I just created from the ground up this position and it has completely turned into the backbone of the clinic and how patients get from A to Z in the bariatric process. Mm -hmm. I think the, the vernacular is a little different at every clinic. Some people call the exact job you do patient coordinating. Some people call it the, uh, the uh, navigator and some yeah. people call it, uh, there's a third one. What is it? Navigator coordinator. And I don't know what the other one is, but maybe like patient advocate. A lot of people ad call advocate. it. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, different. And I think everybody uses those terms differently. So Panhead weight loss has gone from, well, when they started zero bariatric patients to now roughly like 850 a year range. Roughly. And, yeah. And so the, the mission of this short podcast is to explain how does one person track 850 bariatric surgeries from consult to surgery every year. So I don't know if you just want to dive in. I mean, we're not going to show your spreadsheet or anything, but I've sure. told, I've told lots of people who, lots of people who are doing 200 cases a year, 300, 400, and having a hard time tracking those people. They want to, and some of them do spend a lot of money on CRMs or tracking software. You know, they'll spend a thousand, 2000, $3,000 a month for this tracking software. And that's fine. If, if that's what they have to have, but it seems like one of the reasons your position works at Panhandle is you control. There's not two or three hands in the in the bucket of getting people from console to surgery. There's one person, right? So tell me what a day looks like for you. You come in. I've seen your Excel spreadsheet many times. Tell me what are you doing all day? So um, 
from the very beginning, I knew that no one patient is similar to the next. Um, every insurance criteria and every requirement is different. Um, be that BMI, their comorbidity, if they're six months, month, 12 months, no specific time frame, whatever it is, it doesn't look the same to the next patient. So we created what we call a checklist, and that is specified to each patient's insurance criteria. And after their consultation, um, that checklist comes to me, and then that's when they get added to my spreadsheet. So a daily task for me is to work every consultation that comes through. Um, and I kind of have subcategories on my spreadsheet of, okay, this patient is scheduled and is moving forward, send all their demographics and referrals to the necessary providers, get them scheduled for first dietary, first office visit, whatever that looks like. Um, some of them, you know, go to a different part of my spreadsheet that says this patient uh, is kind of just in the holding pattern. They're not hundred percent committed yet, but let's reach out maybe in a couple weeks or, you know, a couple months or, Hey, they'll call back. They're a teacher. They're going to call us in the summer, um, things like that. So all of those notes and um, kind of the starting point gets put on my spreadsheet and is great for, let's say when a surgeon comes in and says, Hey, I had a really good conversation with uh, Betty and I don't see that she's on the surgery schedule anytime soon. You have any update on that? Well, I'll go pull her up on my spreadsheet and say, actually, she had a, you know, financial situation. She plans to move forward in a few months. Um, those notes kind of keep me tracked and then also um, give me the ability to A, you know, put her as a priority or B, push her off and revisit that in a few months. Um, once they're uploaded to my spreadsheet, then I kind of make notes in our EMR, put everything in there that my spreadsheet says, you know how many visits they need, what tests they need, who they are referred to, when this appointment is, when that appointment is. And um, each month, you know, if I've got a patient coming in this week, then there'll be a certain color on my spreadsheet so that this week I'm looking at all yellow, which is pending appointments. And then I will change that and put in when their March visits are after they complete their February visits. And uh, prior to each visit, I will make sure, hey, do they have their psyche valve scheduled? Do they have their cardiac clearance scheduled? Um, things like that, that kind of keep me on a time frame, keep them on a time frame. You know, you use those words interchangeably with advocate, navigator, coordinator. I think they all go hand in hand because the whole point of my position is to hold the hand of a patient and guide them, navigate them through the process, but also give them... Um, a little bit of knowledge and insight into what they have to have done, what they have to have cleared and by what time frame, if they're wanting surgery, you know, by that final visit, these are all the things that have to be checked off and done. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm not necessarily scheduling or referring patients out, like let's say we have a slow day with visits uh, with um, consults, then I'm requesting all those records and making sure we have their labs, we have their psyche valve, we have their a letter of recommendation or whatever that may look like and getting all of those ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. And Panhandle does a lot of cash pay. So some of those people are not on your spreadsheet for a very long time, but let's say if, if it's a year that Panhandle does 850 bariatric cases at, at any given time, how many people are, are you tracking from consult to surgery? Typically I sit Anyway, usually a good number, I would say would be 225 to 250. Yeah. Um, sometimes that dips lower. Sometimes that dips higher. Um, 
lowest I've probably done at a time is 160. Highest I've ever done at a, you know, on a given day is 350. Mm-hmm. And um, those patients just stay in the pipeline until their pre-op visit, until um, surgery is approved, and then they kind of go to the bottom of my spreadsheet, and that becomes a different subcategory of this patient has started and completed and is now on the surgery schedule. And, um, you know, it just is a constant cycle. It's different every day on how many I'm tracking, but I would say standard is mid two hundreds probably. And that spreadsheet, I mean, I've looked over your shoulder at that thing many times. Of course, you know, I thought, I thought that I would uh, improve that thing or build something new. And really that spreadsheet works tremendously, tremendously well for you. You're basically yeah. looking at an Excel spreadsheet that has red, yellow, and green, right? Yeah. And, and if somebody's getting close to an appointment that will throw them off track, they're yellow. And if, or if there's a follow-up issue, if they're all good, they're green. And if there's a big problem, they're red. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, to anybody else that comes in like you, looks over my shoulder, they think, what in the world is she doing and how does she do it? But for me, it's just the way... Um, because I was the person that constructed it and I know how it works and what works the best and is the most efficient. It's pretty much gold to me. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I've tested other categories of, um, you know, just different softwares or different options because it does sound silly to have an Excel spreadsheet that is the backbone of your clinic. But, um, I've even had some conference calls with people that have very successful software companies and, They've even said, you know, based on what you're telling me and based off of what I know our software can do, it would not be beneficial to you because yours does so much more than we're right. capable of doing. Right. So that, I've, ne- I've never that, moved forward with it. Yeah, I think and that's that was one of the most popular bariatric CRM softwares on the market. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I think some of them are very um, Successful, yes, but the thing, the difference is, is that you've got a software that's doing the work for you versus a person doing it. So, yes, needing the software is a huge plus, but you also need the person to be able to constantly fill those shoes, fill the gaps, and know um, time frame of how to get a patient efficiently through the process from beginning to end, and making sure they don't fall the cra- through the cracks, making sure you're not the one that drops the ball because if at any point they miss something, it can come back on you. Right. And I've heard from other, you know, practice administrators and physicians that we have to have a software to track everyone because how do we know where, you know, where people are at in the, in the uh, pipeline, how close to surgery, where are they falling off? And really no one's really looking at that except, I mean, at Panhandle kind of the gauge is how many consults are we having and how many people going to the OR and right. is there, is there anything else that you're reporting to, uh, to Don or Bo or Blue? What, what metrics are they asking you? Yeah. So I, um, at the end of every month, I give them a complete breakdown of our consults. So that's how many consults we saw, how many consults are in the pipeline to surgery, how many of those that are moving forward are cash. How many of those that did not move forward were cash? Is that a reason and a factor into why they didn't move forward? And, um, how many of those have actually had surgery? You know, like you said, we have cash pay patients. That's a huge part of our clinic. So they may have a consult in the beginning of a month and then they may have surgery before the end of that month. And so we, I do give those numbers, uh, to 
the guys to review. And not only do I just give the consult numbers, but I also give um, specific to each doctor and what their conversion rate is for that month and what they're looking at and how many patients they have, you know, in the pipeline so that they have a better gauge of how many they're going to be operating on in the future. Mm, Great point. Um, Conversion rate tracking. Um, Is there anyone else at Panhandle who has their, let me, let me, I think I've told you this before. There's a couple of larger clinics. They may have three or five or seven physicians and they may have, uh, you know, one physician may have one or two coordinators that are getting their patients to surgery. But I think maybe it functions a little bit differently at Panhandle. Um, who else is getting that person to surgery? Are the mid-levels scheduling next appointments? What's their role in it? Right. So um, the mid-levels, you know, our nurse practitioners play a part in making sure the clearances that we have are sufficient and are cleared um, from a medical standpoint, you know, I may say, Hey, their cardiac clearance is in there, but I don't know if it's low risk, high risk, you know, they review that and say this patient's good from a cardiac standpoint or, Hey, their psyche valves in there, but counseling is recommended and they're not cleared yet. Um, things like that. So they are definitely, um, a gatekeeper as far as the clinical side goes. Um, the schedulers play a huge part. They make sure Hey, this patient is a six month patient. Let's get them scheduled for next month and the following um, with dietary and office visit or whatever their insurance requires. And then um, after I am done with a patient and hey, they're all set, they've completed all six months, all their clearances are good. We have a surgery coordinator who also has a massive spreadsheet. And once I'm done with a patient, they go to they get put on hers, hers as well. And then she may give them a tentative date. And before she submits to that specific insurance, she'll call me and say, Hey, is this patient <clears throat> indeed ready to go? And do we have all their clearances, all appointments done? I give the go ahead. I say good to go. And at that point, Katie then submits them. And then they pretty much go off of my radar until their pre-op visit and into, until we have an approval mm-hmm. and they stay on her radar until she receives that approval. And then she kind of does the same thing, moves them down. So she's constantly, I guess, monitoring a small portion of my 250 that are actually moving from in the process to now they're in the submission process and now they're on the surgery schedule. Gotcha. Okay. And here's a scenario. Let's say, uh, I forgot what you called her earlier. Susie comes in, she finds out she doesn't have benefits. They say, no worries. We have a great cash pay option. She says, this sounds great. Schedule an next appointment. And then you can't really get a hold of Susie anymore. So that's your job. You're calling, you're emailing. Uh, yep. are you, are you texting? No, we don't have texting capabilities, but yep. we do. Um, we reach out numerous times. So we have a bariatric coordinator, um, but that's the person that typically gets insurance criteria after consultation, creates that checklist, goes over everything under the sun yep. insurance wise with that patient, what the process is going to look like. And then once I get that checklist, they then become mine. Yep. Well, before they get past to me, the bariatric coordinator is doing their position of making sure that patient's been in contact with them, been coordinated. And so they're having at least a point of contact at that point, then they're getting to me and I'm reaching out. I would say 
two to three times to make sure, Hey, do you want to move forward? Does this, you know, or if they cancel and they've been on my spreadsheet, um, then I make sure, um, that they get contacted after that BMR DEXA or office visit. If they no show, if they cancel, I reach back out, Hey, is this something you want to get rescheduled? You want to keep moving forward? Um, if I don't get a response, I usually email them. Hey, just wanted to touch base, looking for an update. I'll usually say, if you're, if you've planned to, you know, not proceed, we would love to, you know, hear why, or we would love to just be updated so that I don't keep chasing after you if you don't have any intention of um, doing that. So definitely have numerous attempts of trying to get a patient either back on the schedule if they fall off or um, if they never move forward to begin with getting them on at that point. Yep. Yep. And it's not you. Okay. So patient comes in, sees the physician, sits down with the coordinator, coordinator said by that point, coordinator already knows the insurance information. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, let me back up. Patient calls in and says, Hey, will you check my insurance? They say, yes, of course they're using the fancy digitized boost link to do that. But insurance verification person checks that. And then who calls the, who lets the patient know um, you have benefits? Our bariatric coordinator. Um, So they'll have their consultation. And if at that point, um, you know, Dr. Nikoi sees a patient, says this patient's a great sleeve candidate, then at that point, he doesn't know. He doesn't know if they're cash. He doesn't know if they're a 12-month patient. He doesn't know if they qualify. He does not discuss that at any point. That consult sheet is then taken to the bariatric coordinator. They pull the, the bariatric coverage under that patient's policy and says, oh, okay, you know, now does this patient qualify based off of their specific criteria? If so, here's what it looks like for an insurance standpoint. If not, here's what we have to offer for a cash pay. Yeah. And no matter what, when that person leaves that office, uh, they're finished with the coordinator. And if they say yes, no matter if they're cash pay, financed insurance, they're on your spreadsheet from that point until they have surgery. Correct. Yep. yep. And mm-hmm. even if, even if they, um, don't have coverage and they decide, Hey, I'm going to hold off they, no matter how they proceed, they get put on my spreadsheet so that I do have that into my numbers. I have that consult accounted for, and it does factor into the overall scheme of things. Yep. I think at lots of practices, the coordinator is also doing your job. What, to, yeah. what, would, your, what would you say about that? Better, worse, doesn't matter. Depends on the person. You know, um, I think it depends on the clinic too. I think it depends on the number of patients that are being seen. I know that for our clinic and as many patients as we're seeing, and then also the number of patients that are staying steady on my radar, there's just no way that the same person could do those two positions. I think in itself, it is two completely separate positions. Um, And if a clinic has the ability to fulfill both of those positions, it makes a huge difference in, I think, the patient process. And not only that, it helps with, um, you know, as a, as a clinic, our staff knows, okay, it goes from one to this, and then it's basically stops at me. And so for that three month or six month duration, they're my responsibility. I'm their point of contact and they don't have to have five different hands, you know, on this patient trying to figure out who said what it comes yep. from one specific person. Yep. And I know you need to go in a few minutes. I'll wrap up, but is there how, how much 
of the stuff you're doing would you say is sales? Are, are people coming back to you saying, well, I'm unsure now. I thought I wanted to. I wouldn't say I do a whole lot of sales. I think that falls more on the bariatric coordinating position. Um, they definitely talk more price, money, uh, overall cost, all that kind of thing, financing options. Now I do have several that I follow up with and say, here's a great option. Let's pursue this. Um, as far as financing goes, Mm -hmm. sales wise, don't necessarily do a whole lot of that because by that point they've already heard the numbers. They're already moving forward. Um, there are occasionally some patients that may think their insurance and then may have too low of a BMI to move forward. And then at that point, yes, it does become more of a, Hey, this may be a price that is out of your range, but we have great options. Let's kind of navigate that and see if we can get you to surgery based off of what we offer. Right. And I don't remember, are you tracking general surgery as well? No, Katie, Katie follows general surgery. The only thing that I follow general surgery wise is money coming in for like deductibles out of pocket thing, like yeah. things like that. They're not necessarily on my radar as far as surgeries and consults and all that. Gotcha. Okay. Last question because Panhandle has a really solid conversion rate and some people might be listening and not be familiar with that term, but conversion rate being out of a hundred consults, how many of those go to surgery? Uh, you know, some clinics can be as low as 30% conversion rate, some as high as 65, 70. And of course that depends on lots of things. Do they tell them their benefits before they come in or after? Do they have good cash prices or not? But in your experience, you've been doing this for six years now, you've seen thousands of patients when so many people come in there thinking they want bariatric surgery and they leave and never come back. If you had to boil that down to what is the most, what is the most common reason that they don't come back? I think cost and I think fear. I think um, cost for sure plays a factor into anybody's normal life. Um, and the, the number that comes with bariatric surgery, even if it's as low as six or 7,000, it's a lot of money. Um, and I think a lot of people are scared of failure. And I, so I think they don't want to spend that kind of money um, with the risk of failing. I also think that the biggest step for a bariatric patient is to make that first um, phone call and that have that initial consultation. And once they get the knowledge and um, the life changing stories, I think the wheels start to turn. And it's interesting because I, especially since now that we do a televisits, I hear one of our doctors almost daily talk to the patients and he'll, his number one question is um, what's your number one goal And then also how long have you thought about this? And nine times out of 10 patients have thought about it for no less than four or five years. And so it's just not something that they're willing to just dive straight into. They want to hear about it. They want to test the waters. And I think that's really handy for me to have these patients on kind of like the holding part of my spreadsheet, because while they may not be ready to dive in head first now, they wait a few months, they pray about it, they think about it, and they have that thought of what could my life look like if I decide to do this? And then they reach back out and they have my name at that point and they're like, okay, what's the first step in moving yep. forward? So I think that also factors in huge to our conversion numbers because, you know, January, you may not have a whole lot of people committing, but then come six months later, 
a lot of those numbers from January ended up moving forward because they had several months to kind of think about it. But, you know, you had mentioned me having, um, a lot of patients on my spreadsheet. So I just scrolled down and I've got about 5,200 patients from when I have started this. So that puts into perspective, it's about a thousand patients a year, if not about 1200, um, since I started it in July of 17, that is definitely given us a reason and an understanding of why they move forward, what they do. And it totally given us confirmation that this is a position that people need and that, um, it makes a huge difference in the clinic and it makes a huge difference for patients because they can easily call and say, Hey, can you tell me where I'm at in the process? Can you tell me what I'm lacking, what needs to be done and by what date? And I can do that in, you know, a snap of the finger pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, JC, thank you so much for your time. Panhandle is, it's a well-oiled machine. Lots of that is because of you. Um, thanks for giving me 30 minutes of your time. Well, thank you for having me. And I can't wait to be rich after Maddie. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think, I think you can package up that Excel spreadsheet and sell it for a ton of money. All right, let's do it. All right. Hey, I'm okay. gonna, I'll hit, uh, turn off the recording and then we'll wrap up. Okay.